The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. There we are. Do you think that you yeah. can repeat the question? And I listen more attentively. See, she photographs well, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Am I right? Am I right about that? You are. Oh, that, that AFC looks great. Yes. Lisa does. Williams is going to love that. Hey, Lisa, I redesigned your ad for you. Yeah. Made it work. Let's get this up. I must have not been paying attention. Oh, do we make it do the bop up It's so undignified. Not everybody knows the bop up That's true. That's usually how we test whether or not people actually watch the show. We see, okay, when the Bapapas come up, you got to sing the Bapapas in the song. And if they don't know, like if they like someone like you, you've never, but like a local official comes on, if they don't know the Bapapas, we go, ah, you said you listened to the show. <laughs> Caught red-handed. Caught red-handed. Yeah. How could you? Well, I think Chris Doty tried, though, didn't he? Yeah, most like, of them do. They're on camera. I feel like they feel obligated right? at that point. They're like, oh. Get rid of last month's papers. Yeah. All right, we'll do Baba. We'll do one Baba Pa, then we'll start the show. All right. Give me time to get a couple of things done here. Starring you and I. Baba Baba. Oh, that wasn't bad. That was okay for someone who's never heard the song before. Right, perfect. I'm going to give that ten points. You should. All right. What do you say we get this show on the road, shall we? Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, top two guys, Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We've really only got three shows left before the September 6th election. The September 6th primary is very important in Massachusetts. Every election is really important because you're choosing people that are going to represent you in government. But this year, the primary is a little bit more important because in the Merrimack Valley, Methuen, North Andover, Lawrence, um, and I think even Haverhill, all of these local state rep and state senate races are going to be decided in the primary because, well, let's face it, there's only four Republicans in Massachusetts, and so you really can't have a Republican running in every race because there's only four Republicans in Massachusetts. So in the state uh, representative race between uh, Jim McCarty and Estella Reyes and Willie Lantigua, no Republican, that's going to be settled on September 6th. Also settled on September 6th is going to be the race in Lawrence between Marcos, my friend Mayor Marcos, Marcos Davis, Marcos Davis, and uh, Francisco Polino uh, for that state rep race. And then the what's, the, what's the other one? There's another one, and it's just, I can't have to. Well, I know in the state Senate race on August 25th, we're going to be having a debate here on the Paying Attention podcast at 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. The public is welcome. So if you ever wanted to come to one of my debates or you ever wanted to come to the show, we always say live studio audience, but usually the live studio audience is Murphy. Um, Murphy is uh, Murphy my, 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 my producer's dog. <laughs> and, uh, but, some, but when we do debates, we usually pack the place yes. in. So we'd love to have you guys come. I'll even like buy pizza or something. We'll have something here for you. Christy will make you guys coffee. Um, September 25th, state Senate debate between Eunice Ziegler. She's a Methuen City Councilor. Um, 
Pavel Payano, he's a Lawrence City Councilor, and Doris Rodriguez, who is an activist in the city of Lawrence. Now, in that race, there is, I understand, a Republican who's going to be running in that race in the final. Um, and I don't have his name in front of me, but we're going to try and have him on after the primary. And, um, and so we want you guys to pay really close attention. Please, whatever you do, vote in the September 6th primary, because at the state level, you're going to have a race in the Republican race especially, uh, for governor and lieutenant governor. You've got Jeff Deal and Kate Campanelli. Kate Campanelli's here. She's our guest today. Uh, on the other side, you've got Jeff Deal and Leah. Uh, Leah. I always want to call her Leah Cole because that's when I met her. She was Leah Cole. Now she's married. It's Leah Allen or Leah Cole Allen. She should make her name much longer. She should add like three more names to that. I'm, I'm, I, have, I have a big problem with people who have like hyphenated names. Like Being in broadcast, it just makes it harder uh-huh. for me. And you always have to ask yourself, how is this going to benefit Tom? <laughs> so if you're thinking of hyphenating your name and you're going to get into public office, just don't do it. It just makes my life easier. Uh, let's thank our sponsors and we'll get to our guest. Uh, thank my sponsors if I had it up in front of me, which I thought I did, but I, okay. Uh, well, uh, McLennan Real Estate, Century 21 in Methuen, Lazy River Products in Drakeit. You know, you're getting all worked up about uh, the elections and the heat and the gas prices. Go to Lazy River Products. Get yourself some cannabis. Everything's going to be okay. Marsan and Sun Construction, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, Tomo and Shaken Seafood. Uh, free shout-out to Clear Path for Veterans New England, who you guys should be visiting over in Devons. Uh, they help homeless veterans, and they do a great job. Uh, Sullivan Insurance, AFC Urgent Care, who's also going to be sponsoring our debate. Um, and Pleasant Valley Landscaping, Dave Id Consoli is taking on new jobs now, finally. So he's caught up on all of his uh, backlog, and he's now looking for new work. Give him a call. And a free shout-out to JG's Ice Cream. Now, in the studio with me is Kate Campanelli. She's running for lieutenant governor. Why don't you start off with telling people what in God's name a lieutenant governor does, because you'd be surprised at how many people don't know, even educated people. And then tell them a little bit about yourself. And then I'll ask you, like, really... Um, controversial comments, uh, questions, and you'll either answer them or not. All right. That's All right, what I expect. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, uh, Tom, for having me on. Glad to be here. Glad to join. Oh, we're happy to, to have our, you for sure. Audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my, my name is Kate Campanelli. I come from Spencer, Mass, actually. I was a former state representative in uh, two th- I was elected in 2014, served for two years, and I represented the city of Worcester and my hometown of Leicester Okay, in in, uh, in the legislature. And that's a little uh, west of Worcester, right? A little yeah. west of Worcester, yep. Um, yeah, so we're considered uh, Western Mass. Western so, Mass. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but I'm coming to, to the ticket for, for lieutenant governor with 12 years of, of public service experience um, from the working as a staffer in D.C. to coming up here uh, back home to Massachusetts, working in the State House, and then, like, like I just mentioned, running for State House. Who are you a staffer myself. for? Sean O'Connell. Really? Yes. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And did you survive that? Yes. You did? Did you get Shana, a lot? She was a fantastic representative. Really? Absolutely. See, I'm on her side on most things, mm-hmm. but I, I found it very difficult to work with her. Oh, okay. Like, really difficult to work. I was the MC at the Greater Boston Tea Party rally on the Common every year for like six years, and it was just really, t- it was really tough booking her. It was re- she was tough to work with, but she's a tough lady. She, she yeah. gets things done. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact Absolutely. that you lasted and you did well with her, I think that says a lot for how well you would last in the State House if you were the Lieutenant Governor, for sure. Like I've had that. tough bosses, mm-hmm. and if I had to work for her, I'm not too sure I could have handled it. You know, yeah, you know, tough bosses make you better, right? Don't I they? Agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, 
you you uh, tell me a little about you yourself personally. Married, kids, homeowner, business I, I, owner. Uh, married, no kids. No kids. Um, not yet. You thinking of kids? No, no, no. You're not really. Kids, no. aren't, kids right. aren't in the cards for okay, us. Okay, all right. Um, my my husband. Well, he's twenty years older than me. So, oh, really? Okay. And, God bless. Uh, God yeah. bless you, but more God he's bless a- him. <laughs> Lucky bastard. So- <laughs> that's what I'm shooting for. So yeah, that's a. Um, yeah, so no kids, no no, no kids, kids in our future no for us. Homeowner, but, uh, homeowner business owner, yeah, yeah homeowner in, in Spencer, okay. uh, and um, also have uh, we, we own some um, uh, multifamilies in Spencer oh, okay. too. So property owners, so property owners yeah, as yeah. well. Yes, well, okay. yeah. So what does the lieutenant governor do? A lot of people don't know, even people who are you know really really up on politics. Mm-hmm. I was at a fundraiser the other night, and I was talking about you coming on, and they were like, lieutenant. What does she? What does the lieutenant governor do, anyways? Right. And I'm like, well, not really a whole lot, but I'm going to ask her. Sure. Well, you know, statutorily, it's you know being the first in line if something happens to the governor, God forbid. And second, it's chairing the the eight member uh, governor's council mm-hmm. every every Wednesday. Make sure you're you're there for a tie vote if if necessary. So you'll be uh, working with our so friend that's... Eileen Duff. Oh yes, I love Eileen Duff. <laughs> I love her. If I could get her on before the election, I would, but we don't have any shows left. Oh. Yeah. So you're gonna, so up. so you would chair the the governor's council, yes. which means you would be in charge of approving judges, and more importantly than approving judges, you would be in charge of appointing or demoting or firing members of the parole board, which is one of my big things. That sure. parole board needs to go. Every mm-hmm. single one of them need to go. All of them. Well, it's it's uh, you know I I've had the opportunity to watch some of the the governor's council hearings, you know, over, over the years. And, um, it is interesting to see how they work, mm-hmm. who's been, who's been appointed mm-hmm. and, um, why they, the governor's council does vote someone down or mm-hmm. in, and the reasons for that mm-hmm. are, uh, are very interesting. <laughs> I love Eileen Duff. She's one of, one of my favorite people in the world. I, we don't agree on much. Uh, but at least I understand where she's coming from when she votes the wrong way. Like mm-hmm. I get why she did what she did. Um, but they're still making the wrong decisions. When um, when um, Dominic Sinelli, I don't know if you remember the Dominic Sinelli case, mm-hmm. he was sentenced to three life sentences by a Michael Dukakis judge, believe okay. it or not. Now, for a Michael Dukakis judge to sentence anybody to a life sentence, it was unheard of. This guy was so violent, he got a three life sentence with no parole. The parole board gave him parole anyway, even though it was supposed to be no parole, because he had gone to Toastmasters, learned public speaking, and gotten his mm-hmm. GED. The following day, he went out and he shot Wuben Police Officer McGuire. Uh, two days, two days, the day after Christmas, went out and, and shot him dead. Uh, thank God, Officer McGuire shot him and killed him in in the process. When we start, went back and started looking at the decisions that the parole board was making, it seems to me like they are completely and totally out of touch with how their decisions are impacting people on the streets. You know, letting people like that go, killing a police officer, has a tr- has a tremendous ripple effect in the community. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and we've seen that too too often. Or now, once is too much. But um, when I was a rep in in my my hometown in in Leicester, there was a, a police officer from Leicester. He was an Auburn police officer, though. It was was shot by someone who who shouldn't have been out of prison mm-hmm. as well and and unfortunately killed. Right. And it's it's horrible. It tears a community apart. It tears a police force apart. And, you know, what are we doing putting these violent criminals on the street? Right. And I look at that as the canary in the coal mine because 
we know about Dominic Sinelli. What we don't know is all of the other people that have been paroled who went out and raped someone, killed a child, broke into a home, murdered somebody. Those cases didn't make the front page of the Globe. Those cases didn't make the front page of the paper or Channel 7. But they're just as if not more important because those decisions being made are crippling neighborhoods with crime, especially like I grew up in Lawrence, especially communities like Lawrence. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, the governor's council's job of of vetting these people uh, to to the parole board is is extremely extremely important. And you talk about people uh, or public not really knowing these roles. Uh, governor's council is a, is so so important. I think the most important board in the state, mm-hmm. absolutely for sure. Yeah. So if you become lieutenant governor, will you have a standard for what types of judges or members of the parole board that you would appoint? You know, um, Chris and I haven't talked about that as much as as we haven't gotten to that point yet. But uh, you know, looking, you would look for someone with a background that has. You know, you do need to look at someone with a background of of standing up for these things, making sure they're more constitutionally focused and more in line with making sure we keep uh, dangerous people off the street. What are what are their records? Mm-hmm. And but it's the governor's council's job also to to vet them. Right. As well, right. So, so if you become lieutenant governor, what is what is your priority going to be? Because, like the vice president, you don't really have a lot of daily duties to do. So you're going to have a lot of free time, right? And besides, like the ribbon cuttings, which I hate, and all of the all of the public all the public PR stuff that I re- I just really hate it. Um, is there something you're going to want to tackle? Is there a a project or an issue that, as lieutenant governor, you're going to have time to help the governor with? Well, you know, I see this as a partnership, right? And, and that's why I'm running with, with Chris, because it's a partnership. He's coming in with the executive level experience of, of running a, a manufacturing company successfully, knowing how to manage budgets. I'm coming with the, the legislative side and knowing how to work with the legislature. Mm-hmm. So I, coming in, I see my my role as lieutenant governor. Chris and I have, have talked about this. It is what you make of it in, in that way. And we see one thing that when we look back at the current administration, I think what Governor Baker and, and Lieutenant Governor Polito did really well when they first got elected was the community compact agreements with all 351 cities and towns. And that's something we'd like to continue. It was going to every city and town, making sure we knew what were their priorities, what they needed, and how the state could help them. Mm-hmm. And that's something we, we want to see continue in this role as Lieutenant Governor. Um, the biggest issue facing the Commonwealth, and I would say the biggest issue facing the country, every state, every community, is the opioid crisis and the homeless mm-hmm. issue. You've kind of gotten to know about that a little bit. You've come to Lawrence. You've visited House of Mercy. I know Chris mm-hmm. came to TMF and saw what they do. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what you can do as lieutenant governor, especially since you're going to have time, um, to help the homeless and help the addicted? Yeah, there. You know, well, you see, there's time. It's there's a lot for for one person to do, right? right. right. But, uh, it, but, we're but counting it is on an you. issue, exactly. Right. No, no, it's a it's an issue that's that's hurting so many of our communities. And when you know, I'm looking at your paper here. You know, the the fentanyl charge here. It, it's it's very it's very dangerous. What's going on with the fentanyl coming in from you know from Massachusetts and even being distributed to other states as well. So our, you know, our plan is to make sure that it's getting 
as far as we can, we need to know our limits too, prosecuted. And what, one thing that I'm a firm believer in is community policing. And, you know, there's nothing better as a rep. You're not for the defund the police movement? No. Oh, you're not. No. Okay. No. <laughs> no, not at all. The Democrats exactly. just want no no cops, open the jails, let um, the criminals run around. Uh, right. Uh, no. Uh, our cops, uh, they're our best assets for our communities. And, you know, it, it's... It's so heartbreaking to see what's going on in our police departments across the state right now. You know, every police officer we talk to, if they're young, they're looking for another career. Usually yeah. they're training for another career. I know three cops if right now in Lawrence mm-hmm. that are looking for another job. A, right. diff- a totally different mm-hmm. field. It, it, exactly. And, and, and the, the, the older generation is just counting down the years, months to retirement. Right. You know, so I think we have to look at, at policing in a, a respect where – Oh, well, how can we make sure that our officers are being respected, that they deserve? How are we recruiting and retaining these officers? And, you know, why is there this issue right now? I think some of that goes back to the police reform bill that was passed. And, you know, the new uh, regulations, the training regulations that are putting on our police officers, I think that's a real deterrent here in Massachusetts. But um I like cops on the streets. I think having them there, working with our kids, seeing them, having those good relationships, knowing knowing the communities and the people is so important and would be such an asset to, to mm-hmm. combating the crime, drug problems. Places like um, the Daybreak Homeless Shelter in Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, they get sub-grant funding. Um, they've got room for 40 beds every night. They have 55 people every night. They're way over capacity. And there's another 150 to 200 people on the streets of Lawrence trying to get in. There's a waiting list. They don't get a lot of funding because they're a wet shelter. They're one of only two wet shelters in the state. Well, wet shelter, for those who don't know, is most shelters, uh, homeless shelters are dry shelters. If you're high or you're drunk, they won't let you in when you show up at the door. There's two in Massachusetts that are wet shelters that will let you in, and Daybreak is one of them. We're looking for, those of us who are homeless advocates are looking for people in state government to change the requirement for state grants to allow some of those grants that can only go to dry shelters to go to wet shelters. So that if it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning and it's three below zero outside and the guy had a couple of drinks before he shows up at the shelter, he's not going to die on the streets that night. That's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We want wanted a commitment out of you for something like that. Well, before you get sure. to that, do you have a, I don't know how I lost my, uh, my lighter. Do you have an extra lighter, hon? Jonesing for a cigarette while I'm in the middle of asking a question. People at home shall love that. My mom's going to yell at me now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we're looking for a commitment. We're looking for a commitment from people in state government to say, look, we understand what the problem is. And so we're going to try and help by releasing some of these restrictions mm-hmm. and getting some grant funding to places like Daybreak. She's, her, her, her building isn't even a building. It's, it's, two, it's two mobile homes that are welded together up on a platform. Um, and she can't get a new building because she's she's a, a wet shelter. And so all of the federal and state dollars that are available for that mm-hmm. stuff, she doesn't qualify for. And she doesn't want to turn it into a dry shelter because now you're 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 turning away half the people that need it. Right. You know? Well, you know, and, and this is one of the things we appreciate, Thomas, because you. Well, Part of campaigning is learning, mm-hmm. and, and we're going around the state and learning these issues and, and coming up to, to Lawrence or earlier this week. I know Chris was here uh, before then and, and mm-hmm. saw saw daybreak. You know, th- these are things that I, you know, we're learning as well and, and bringing to our attention. So it's advocates like you that that help shine a light on these problems. Flattery will get you everywhere on this show. <laughs> 
but but it but it's true. Right. It, it's absolutely true. And, I would be happy to mm-hmm. be on an ad hoc governor lieutenant governor's committee to deal with the homeless because I look at the nonprofits in Lawrence and places like Lawrence. I use Lawrence as an example, folks, but it's not just Lawrence; it's all the cities. Uh, but I know more about Lawrence. We look at these nonprofits; they get millions, if not billions, of dollars every year in grant funding, and they don't do shit. Mm-hmm. They don't do a damn thing for the homeless. They don't do, and even worse, people who are about to become homeless, people who are about to lose their homes or their apartments, who are about to be on the street. There's there's no program to stop that from happening. To just give them a little bit more of a leg up. So they don't become homeless and are now a bigger problem. Exactly. You oh, know, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we, we look at this and, and I think a lot of problems are we can be solved looking at data. I know that's a boring thing to talk about, right. but if, if we can just look spice at it that, up, that's all. Exactly. Right. If we can look at data, we can show that non what nonprofits are working, which ones aren't, which have the best practices. I think that's how we can go in and kind of solve the problem. Okay, this this nonprofit is is doing really well, and why are they doing well? Why are they having good outcomes? It's because they're doing X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you want a grant now uh, to help the homeless, you need to be making sure you're doing. X. X, X, and X. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, well, then... There are no performance lose. measures. And I'll give you a great example. Right. Groundwork Lawrence gets a grant. Um, and I'll go back to even Nikki Songus a few years ago. Nikki Songus comes to Lawrence and gives them... A, I, I'll make up a number. It's like $40,000 mm-hmm. for green technology job training. Mm-hmm. And they have a big uh, ribbon cutting and they present the big check and they send out these press releases. And so at the end, I raised my hand and I said... Um, well, how many green technology jobs are there in the Merrimack Valley once people go through this job trade? Zero. There's zero green technology jobs. So I went when I found out they were having the classes for the green technology job training. And it was the volunteers from Groundwork Lawrence attended the class and Groundwork Lawrence taught the class and kept the money. And I looked around and said, well, that was just a complete waste of time. These people all go out and hold signs for the Democrats that gave them the grant, that put money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Even though they're a nonprofit, they can't support a candidate. All the people who work at the nonprofit were supporting that candidate, who then went out and gave them more money for stupid things like green technology, job training, instead of like helping people who are about to become homeless or people who already are. Exactly. Right. We need measures in place. We need to make sure that tax dollars are being spent wisely. Right. And this is just one example of many. But it, it, when you look at just a homeless situation or addiction, we know that everybody is different. Everyone responds differently. Mm-hmm. And I believe some of the programs that we have and, and some that we were talking about the other day, you know, three days, five days isn't going to help solve the problem. Right. And we need to make sure that we're doing all we can to make sure the problem solved, that we're seeing someone through from the beginning till the end, making sure they come out with a job, making sure that they have housing, and making sure that they're on the right path mm-hmm. and, and not this cyclical um, behavior, which is just heartbreaking to see. What are your main issues? What do you want to tackle once you get in? You know, um, I, again, I, I like to be the liaison between uh, our state government and municipalities. I think that's that's crucial to know what's going on in which community and how best to help that. Also, I you know, uh, things that we're learning as we're going around the state is is tourism here in Massachusetts. We've declined from five down to twenty one, and that's a lot of money too that would come into the state. What do you and, mean five to twenty one? What do you mean? Oh, we came in. We were. Uh, the top five oh, uh, in tourism, okay. and we've dropped to 21. Okay. And, and that's surprising because if you go to San Francisco 
You don't want to go to any of the tourist places now because they've been overrun by homeless or crime or whatever. Same thing with Philadelphia, same thing with New York. But Massachusetts has been kind of untouched by that. Right. And so it's surprising that it's going down rather than going up, even though all the indicators are in our favor. Exactly. Right. We're the, so we're what, the birthplace of that? America. What, right? ex- what explains that? Yeah, you know, I don't think we have someone that's it, it, accountable to tourism. Right mm-hmm. now, it, it's it's regionalized, but not in a way that, again, we're not showing any metrics. There's no performance metrics. There's no way to measure how well someone's doing. So I think it's getting in there, kind of seeing what the organization looks like and how can we better better streamline this to make sure we put measures in place, make sure that we're we're getting tourists in. Massachusetts is, I mean, from, I've been all over, from Cape Cod to the North Shore to the Berkshire, Central Mass. Massachusetts is it, a beautiful it is state. beautiful in so many areas. And it, it's just, it's a gorgeous state with so much to offer mm-hmm. for no matter what. what I, always, I always said Lawrence could turn mm-hmm. things around. I mean, Lawrence, since I, was, since I was a kid, we've heard Lawrence has potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm 55 and I'm still hearing Lawrence has potential. They've never lived up to that. But I always thought that Lawrence could actually live up to their potential because of the tremendous history that's there. The 1812 strike, uh, the mills, how it was built from two different communities. It was, it was, I think, one of the few communities that was planned. Like mm-hmm. the, the mill owners bought, bought land from Methuen and made it North Lawrence and from North Andover and Andover made it South Lawrence and created this town as a manufacturing city. And I think, I think the, the, the other communities like New Bedford, Fall River, Holyoke also have similar histories where we should be bringing people from all over the world to show the accomplishments of Massachusetts and having that kind of tourism. And yet it doesn't seem to get promoted. Oh, absolutely. And you talk about Lawrence, look what Lowell's done to Mm -hmm. their downtown. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. So, and, and to your point, I think it's focusing on, on something small in a city and growing that and making that bigger. Mm -hmm. But if you just focus on one thing, I think that's more manageable. And then you'll just see that it's growth can spur from Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So as, as the Lieutenant governor, you're going to be, um, you're going to be the left hand of Chris Doty. If he, if you guys win, um, God forbid something happens to Chris and you become governor. What would you be doing day one? Nobody ever asks like the vice president (laughs) in that and nobody ever asks the Lieutenant. So I'm going to ask, what would you do day one? Like Chris has to, Chris resigns, God forbid something happens or, or, or whatever, and you've got to step in with no notice. Okay, now I'm governor. Day one, you're going to have to hit the ground running. What, sure. what are your priorities? Well, I, again, it's, uh, it's that partnership with Chris and I. Chris and I have been going around the state, and you know, number one for, as Chris as governor is to sell the state of Massachusetts, bring jobs here, lower taxes. That is our priority. Make Massachusetts more affordable. And I'll be doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're in a partnership right now as governor, lieutenant governor, but you know, if governor stepped in, I would, I would carry that same outlook. We need to make Massachusetts more affordable. What's the main difference? Because you have a primary, mm-hmm. right? Chris is running against Jeff Doty. I mean, Chris is running against uh, Jeff Deal. Um, what are the main differences between why should people vote for the Doty ticket rather than the deal ticket? What's what are the differences? What do they get what do they get from you guys they're not going to get from the Jeff Deal ticket? Sure. You know, one is experience. Uh, the experience that, that we bring as a ticket as a, as a team. You know, we're a very strong team that we're running. Chris with his executive experience, again me with my legislative experience. What I didn't touch on either is that I 
after I left the legislature, I was teaching for a few years. So come in with that education angle as We're well. We're deducting five points for that. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I have no respect for teachers. I'm sorry. Wait, uh, public school teacher? Yes. Uh, minus 10. <laughs> I'll go from minus five to minus 10. But that's okay. You're still in the positive numbers here. I had to open my mouth. Huh? <laughs> you Goodness see, you, but listen, most of the people who listen to my show <laughs> on audio or watch the show, most of the people who consume this show don't agree with me on anything. Mm-hmm. So they listen for the local politics. So, so you're, you're, whenever you disagree with me, you're actually doing good on this show. Okay. Right. <laughs> um. Now I lost my train of thought. So, so, <laughs> you're, so you become governor. You step in day one. It's yes. something that's unplanned. You've got to, you, you, your head will be swimming. You've got to process mm-hmm. everything. What do you do hitting the ground running? Sure. Well, I think it, it's bringing, uh, again, it's bringing jobs, good paying jobs to Massachusetts. And how do you Every do that? Every region is different. One, it's lowering taxes. You know, we have to make Massachusetts more affordable for businesses to come and do business here. Mm-hmm. There's so many regulations. There's so um, the cost of doing business, just regulations alone, never mind the price of, of utilities, of electricity here, of, you know, just unemployment insurance, just everything makes it so hard for someone to do business here. How, how are we going to, to go to Virginia, say, and get a company to come up to Massachusetts right now? And we need the workforce there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing it all together. Right now, we have so many community colleges across the state that we can, we can use as a, as a, as a selling point to bring, to bring businesses here. No, but we have to use those community colleges wisely. Okay. Um, in, in Western Mass, say we want to bring in a manufacturer. Well, let's make sure that community college is offering programs, as you were uh, alluding to your story before, make sure they're, they have programs that are going to produce jobs for those people coming out. You know, and so it's, it's partnering with businesses, with local community colleges, with, with government. It's a partnership with everybody. But, but we need to make it more attractive for businesses to come here. Right now, other states, we're in such competition with, uh, not even in competition, to be honest, with Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina. They can call up and say our, our electricity is half the cost. We don't have as many regulations. Why don't you come do business down here? We have the land. We'll set you up everything you need. Come on down. Mm-hmm. And businesses are. People are leaving the state. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I proposed the state's public records law, um, and during the negotiation process, the Democrats took out two provisions. One, which would hold the governor's office responsible for releasing public records that have to do with the governor's office. The other one was the courts. They took those out, so they're exempt. The governor's office is exempt from the state public records law, and so mm-hmm. are the courts. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things we should have first. What is the governor doing? If I want, to, if I want the mayor of Lawrence's schedule from last week, because I want to investigate something, but I don't want them to know what I'm investigating, so I ask for like a whole week of this schedule, he has to turn it over within 10 days or he has to pay a penalty. The governor doesn't. The courts don't. So there's a lot of things going on in the courts and the governor's office that we should know about. Would you guys, would you guys support changing the state's public records law to stop the governor's office from being exempt and the courts from being exempt? Well, I certainly agree in transparency and being open to the public. I mean, how are how is someone supposed to trust government, trust their local officials if mm-hmm. if this is information isn't available to them? So if it's about uh, building trust and transparency, then certainly you're, you're be all in, for it. in support. Oh, good. All right. Good. We got about six minutes left. What um, time goes quick? <laughs> it does go quick. So give your pitch. Give your pitch. Why why should 
people consider because you're not running really technically as a ticket on the ballot. People have it's a two right, different races, right. so it won't mm-hmm. say like you know govern like president, vice president are on the same line. You'll be on a separate line. Why should people vote for you instead of Leah Cole? Because let's face it, it could happen. Chris could win the primary, and Leah could win the primary. Mm-hmm. So why should people vote for you over Leah? Well, that's why, uh, again, Chris and I are branding ourselves together, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we complement each other with our experiences and our background. And I can attest to that because mm-hmm. I saw you guys together for the mm-hmm. first time at House of Mercy the other day. And I liked the way you, you guys interacted. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Sure. Yeah. It, it, you know, it works. And I, I think that's that's really a strength that we have. You know, it's something that we're, we're creating that working relationship already. We get along. We have the same priorities. Yet Chris also... There, is um, very respectful to a difference of opinion as well. So I, I think that's a, a good Chris balance. is actually too respectful. Uh. He, he seems too nice. And the first few times I, I talked to him, uh, I wondered in my head walking away, is this guy going to be able to handle Beacon Hill? Because it's rough and tumble up there. They're not very nice at all about anything. Um, I, it seems to me like he's too nice. And I wonder if there's a bear under there somewhere that if you piss him off, if you get if you get his goat going, whether or not he's going to be able to be like Charlie Baker. A couple mm-hmm. times has lashed out at people, and I looked at it and went, "Gee, thank God, finally the guy lost his temper and and mm-hmm. called these people out on the carpet." Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to have what I call Charlie Baker disease. He's too nice. You know, Chris is is very even keeled. And that's, that's a good way I to put it. That's I, a good way to put it. I think that's what we look for in a leader. Someone that doesn't get ruffled and can handle situations. Well, I don't, but very I see calmly. what you mean other people do. Um, yeah. yeah. So so Chris can can keep calm and steady in any no matter the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, he'll be a great leader. You know, he's one of those people that that you meet that you that you sit down and talk for to and you're just, you know, you want to do good by him. Right. And I think I, that's the attitude I don't he's like going people. to bring to... Mm-hmm. I don't like people. All right? I'm not a people person. Um, but when I the first time I met Chris, I did. I liked him right away. Mm-hmm. It, it, he just seems to have that fatherly, calming way about him. You know, like when you go to your dad when you're a kid and you're all upset that you know your boyfriend broke up with you, your girlfriend broke up with you, and you're all upset and you're all worked up. And he just had that calming... You know, everything's going to be okay kind of attitude. He seems to have that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's how you work with people. You That's how he's going to build relationships. And that's how he is building relationships mm-hmm. already out there on the campaign trail. You know, they see him as someone who listens, who's taking um, uh, taking time, and wants to invest, wants to do the right thing. He is so solutions focused, mm-hmm. so solutions focused doesn't care about the political noise. He just wants to know what can we do to fix this problem? Mm-hmm. What can we do to make Massachusetts a great state to live? So if you don't win, right, and Chris doesn't win, will you guys support the deal team if they win and you guys don't? Uh, well, I, I'm always a believer in supporting the the Republican ticket. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got an answer out of the other side on that one when we had the other mm-hmm. side here. Um, I think I think they I think I think when I asked Jeff Deal that he said, but I am going to win, which is not really an answer. <laughs> um, I, but I love Jeff. You know, I love you, Jeff. Um, three minutes left. Last pitch. Remind people who you are, why they should be voting sure. for you. Kate Campanelli running for lieutenant governor. We're here. Uh, Chris and Chris Doty and I are, are here. We're running as a team for governor, lieutenant governor from Massachusetts. We want to make it affordable. We we hear people's concerns about schools. Want to make education a top notch again, and we want to make sure that our boy. Local I wish we had more time to get into the education. I thing know. As a teacher. I know. Oh, I, I could. I'm talk, so. I I'm talk so much. I'm about so education. sick of dealing with young people, and it's not their fault. I don't get mad at them, but but young people who are just so dumb 
and it's not their fault that they're dumb. They went through they went through high school, public high school education in in Massachusetts, whether it's Lawrence, Bethune, or anywhere else, and they. They can't do math in their head. They don't know the three things in the First Amendment that are guaranteed. They just don't have – but they all know about abortion, global warming, and transgender bathrooms. So public school teachers do a good job on the subjects that they really want to teach. It just doesn't seem like they want to teach the basics. Right. You know – that you took a line out of, oh, out of my out of sorry. my out of no out of, out of my uh, when I usually give my my stump speech I say we need to get back to the basics in education reading writing arithmetic absolutely our our kids are falling behind you know we're we're too worried about equity in our schools and we need to get back to to making our kids successful is and it, feel good about is it equity just another word for racism it's taking away from white people to give to people who aren't white because way back when before we were all born some white people did bad things. Yeah, Not to quote Elon Omar. There's so many definitions of equity, but you can't use it in a classroom because, again, every child is different. Right. Every child learns different, and every child has a different pathway to success. And we need to we need to foster that, whichever path that is. And and we're we're not doing that if we if we think every child is equal. Give uh, people your website address, your email, phone number, whatever it is that you want. Yes. If they want to donate, if they want to uh, help the campaign, if they want to oh, volunteer. Always looking. You know, we have 20-something days. I can't believe it till till the election. It's September crazy that it came so 6th. fast. Exactly. Yeah. The end of summer is near, unfortunately. Um, but September 6th is primary day. It's a Tuesday after after Labor Day. We are, would appreciate your vote, Chris Doty, Kate Campanelli. My website is kate4lgforlg.com. You can find me on Facebook, um, and you can get signs, bumper stickers, volunteer, make a donation. All right, sounds good to me. <laughs> now, if you win, will you come back? Absolutely. Because if you win, we're going to have you come back, and then mm-hmm. we're going to talk about putting an ad hoc committee together to deal with the homeless so that we can go around all these nonprofits that don't do anything. I don't want to go through them because they're just going to get all the money and waste it. So we want you to come back. You'll come back. I will come back. All right. That's a, that's a commitment. And we are going to hold her to that because we've had other elected officials come and say that they'd come back. Then they get elected. They don't come back. Um, so we will savage you if you don't. I just want you to know up front. Uh, you can roll up, Mel. We want to thank our sponsors. We want a free shout out to JG's Ice Cream. Listen, in the middle of the, su- in the, middle of the summer when it's this hot, when it's been this hot, you want to get over to JG's right here in Salem, New Hampshire, or in Methuen, and get some ice cream. And they don't they don't actually sponsor the show, but I love their ice cream so much that we talk about it here. Pleasant Valley Landscaping in Methuen, AFC Urgicare. They're doing new immigration physicals. For all of you from Lawrence that are watching, I know all of you are, uh, are concerned about immigration issues, and she's going to be sponsoring our debate, which is great. Uh, so, uh, free, uh, free shout out to Sullivan Insurance and Clear Path for Veterans New England, which you guys do need to visit. Uh, Borelli's Deli, where I'm going right after the show. I'm going there to get my hot sausages, and they have a new th- they have a new thing that I found. It's a spinach ravioli, which is actually even better than their butternut squash ravioli. Uh, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, Marston and Sun Construction, Lazy River Products in Drakeit, and McLennan Real Estate, Century Twenty One on Broadway in Methuen. Want to thank all of our sponsors, and specifically, want to thank them all for sticking in with us, especially through the year. Um, I want to thank Kate Campanelli. Thank you for coming in. Good luck in your election. I want to thank Chrissy, our fine, fine producer. And it sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.